Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. We are live at Sunday at noon, high noon. Appreciate everyone that's uh, joining us via YouTube, watching live. We're going to need your comments today to break this down because, let's face it, there's not a whole lot to break down when you get flat out embarrassed in a fashion that OSU hasn't been embarrassed in since Bob Simmons was the coach. I did not think the name... Bob Simmons would be coming up this year, but here we are. Thanks for everyone for joining us and our audio listeners as well. Uh, Colby, did did Kansas State cover? That's my question. Uh, they did, yeah. I mean, unless you teased it. If you teased it up to – if you had a minus 48 and a half, you're out of luck. It uh, – wow. I, I was just shell-shocked, really, to watch that. I even made the comment on the preview pod that if either team were going to win going away, it would be Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State just doesn't get blown out. So, there's, I mean, Kansas State is not going to run away from them. I was truly shell-shocked watching that game, and it was – I mean, honestly, for me, it was it was more confusion than anger. Like, I'm watching it, and obviously, like, it's upsetting to, to have that embarrassing of a performance out there, but it was much more confusion than just outright anger as to how this team – that we've been watching with so many of the same guys that we've been watching for two, three, four years at Stillwater can, can go out and, and put on that performance. I, uh, I was absolutely bamboozled yesterday for, for three, three and a half hours. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of ways to, to, to start discussing this. I guess my, I think we already have a really good comment from Eric Jones. I want to ask you that next, but this makes the performance of, West Canaan and Varsity Blues, the hangover game. This performance by Oklahoma State makes that performance look like a solid effort. I mean, dragon ass is a compliment to what OSU was doing out there. Um, and the, I'm with you. Like, it's, it's more confusing because, again, I picked OSU to win handily. I picked their defense to play well. And there's not a lot to break down when literally nothing went – well at all and you can start with Casey Dunn you can start with what Mike Gundy said I think that's where we should start uh, Colby Eric Jones's comment what did Gundy mean by changing practice method this time guessing much less physical work to avoid injuries and that's what Mike's big talking point was after the game he said look I I changed things during practice this week I didn't have them ready to play and that was obvious they weren't ready to play and I have a hard time with that Colby because Mike's been known for years to not run physical practices to keep guys fresh. He was a real innovator in that years before other coaches were doing so. What do you, what do you make of his comments? Because, I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say when you lose in that fashion, 48 to nothing, when you had your starting quarterback. I mean, everyone's going to point to Oklahoma losing 49 to nothing. Well, they didn't have their starting quarterback. They had a JV player playing quarterback for the entire game. And so that's way more understandable playing in a, you know, a a hostile environment of OU Texas without your quarterback. There's no excuse for this Colby. And I I find his reasoning for practice methods being the reason I find that even more confusing than the actual performance. Yeah. It's like uh, J rod here says, I think embarrassed isn't a strong enough word to describe the Manhattan massacre. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's odd because I don't know what Mike Gundy could have said after that game that we would have been like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That, that's good explanation. There's no good explanation for 48 nothing. I, I, I don't know. I mean, changing practice, whether that meant less physical, he didn't go into specifics, whether that meant less physical, or I don't know what it meant, but whatever it was, change it back immediately. I, I Again, I just don't know what he could have said, Carson, that we would have been like, okay, that explains this away. There is no explaining this away. It was – a failure at every level. It was a failure from the staff. It was a failure from the players. Uh, did I think it was a well-coached game? Obviously not. It was 48-0, but, man, 
The players were just making mistake after mistake after mistake on their end. The receivers absolutely killed Oklahoma State in the first quarter. Uh, the interior of that defensive line is just, uh, I mean, getting parted like the Red Sea. Deuce Vaughn goes 62 yards untouched. He had 62 yards the last two years against Oklahoma State. He goes 62 yards untouched. I, I don't know how that happens. Um, so it was a, a complete breakdown and collapse from every area. There was no area that, that did its job. And I, I don't know what Mike Gundy could have said to explain that away. So it, is it weird that he said that practice was different this week? Yes. Without specifics, I, I think we're guessing as to what that means. But, man, whatever they did, it just didn't work because it was it was a failure at every level. Well, one thing I want Mike to say, and we'll see how the season plays out. This could get far worse um, in terms of overall record. And look, Gundy gets big raises after great seasons. I think rightfully so. I think if you get shellac 48 to nothing as the ninth ranked team in the country, I think it's worth examining his contract at the end of the year and say, okay, well, we gave you a big bump for last year. We're going to, we're going to reduce that coming into next year. I don't, I don't know if you just put his contract up for grabs every single offseason, but that's one thing that entered my mind. But I think the number one thing I want him to say moving forward and something I want him to admit is that they've been able to finagle offense the last three years, four years. Um, they've been able to get by. Spencer's been a big reason for that with his legs. But it's time for Mike to admit that since Joe Wickline left, they have been terrible on the offensive line. They've been horrible. They struggle to run the football. And that's a very basic, fundamental way to win and lose football games. And it's a credit to, to Mike and his staff for the way they've been able to win games despite not being able to run the football. But I think Charlie Dickey, his job should be up for debate. Uh, I, don't, I, I haven't seen much improvement there at all. They've kind of patched it together. They've played well at times. I'm not say, sitting here saying they've had zero success. But they have to be able to run the football, and they just can't. And that puts so much pressure on Spencer, especially when you get down early the way it, it was. I think Casey Dunn, I think you have to see how this season plays out, Colby. I'm not calling for anyone's job after losing to Kansas State 48 to nothing. But I think it's fair to take a step back and say, where are we going? Are we getting better on the offensive line? The answer to that, to me, ever since Joe Wickline left, is a flat-out no with three exclamation points. Because you, you think back to when Joe Wickline was at Oklahoma State, he was taking some junior college guys, and they had the best, by far, the best offensive line in the Big 12. It wasn't even a debate. They ran the football on everyone because they had the technique and they had the skill at the offensive line position, which makes Brandon Whedon look better, makes Joseph Randall look better, makes everything look better. And that is one area Mike has had a lot of success in all areas. Clearly, just look at his record. But that's one area he is, has failed and is continuing to fail on is fixing the offensive line. It's been a revolving door of coaches. We thought Charlie Dickey had it going in a, in a good direction. But to me, Colby, it starts and ends right there when you talk about the offense. Their offensive line is, has, been, has been in neutral for a very long time, and they've been able to get around it, but – they certainly weren't able to do that in Manhattan. It is, in my opinion, the most important position group on either side of the ball. The fact that Oklahoma State ha have been as prolific winners as they have, despite failing up front on the offensive line for, I mean, what feels like coming up on a decade now, it, it's incredible that they've been able to overcome it as much as they have. Because And, and J, J.D. Battle asked here, did the O-line have injuries or was this just a lack of execution up front? I mean, there was an injury. Hunter Woodard was out. Um, the problem, Carson, and this is some of what you alluded to, the depth on the offensive line. It's like Preston Wilson goes out. That's one guy. And that kind of progress that you had seen, it feels like it all comes undone. Preston Wilson comes back. Now Hunter Woodard is out. It just feels like, uh, I mean, treading in quicksand with the offensive line, just trying to keep guys healthy and, and trying to improve up front. But I, again, I really think it's the most important position group on either side of the ball because if those guys struggle to pass block, it makes your quarterback look worse, and it makes your quarterback have to be Superman for things to go right. If you can't run the ball, all of a sudden, I mean, it just takes away everything you can do from, from an offensive perspective. You've got to be getting the ball out in less than two seconds. You, you can't get any holes in the running games. Then you have to try to get super creative in the running game and do stuff like John Paul Richardson on the, the reverse for negative six yards on third and two. It's just 
not being able to do anything up front has killed this team, Carson, for years. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't want to I don't want to totally freak out and, and start calling for jobs because the reality is this could very well still be a 10 or 11 win team. So that's what makes yesterday even more confusing. This this obviously is not a great team. If it were, they wouldn't have lost 48 nothing. It's not a great team, but I still think it's a good team. So then what do we make of yesterday? And what does that mean for the future? Because you still want to be getting better. And I just worry that Spencer Sanders has been covering up some deficiencies and some things that are going wrong. And man, I, I worry that whenever he's gone, the, the, the bottom comes out of this thing because Carson, as good as things have been going and as quickly as all this success came to Oklahoma state, it can go away that quickly too. If things start to go wrong and you throw out a six and six clunker um, in, in a year or two. So uh, yesterday was, was very concerning and you try not to overreact, but man, after a 48, nothing shellacking to a team with their backup quarterback and you're a top 10 team in the country. It's, it's concerning. It's not panic button, but it's concerning. Well, and that's, that's really what I struggle with. Like I mentioned, OU losing 49 to nothing. Like that's embarrassing, but there's also reasons for that. Like you don't have a, if you don't have your starting quarterback, like if Gunnar Gundy had played the entire game and you lose 48 to nothing. Okay. I, I can see, you know, you weren't expecting to not have your starting quarterback. The defense is, you know, playing poorly, obviously, but the, getting no help from the offense because you don't have your starting quarterback. Okay. I can understand that. There's, there's no excuse to lose 48 to nothing. Do you know who didn't lose 48 to nothing? Also Poe guy. You know who didn't lose 48 to nothing? Al Pena. Like that, that's what we're talking about. Like this is like, this is a loss that's worse than anything we've seen since I don't even know when. I mean, Bob Simmons is the last time the margin was the same, but I'm talking about being non-competitive to that extent. Also, Carson, Bob Simmons wasn't going in there with a top 10 team. That's a exactly. top 10 team. It, it's got to be one of the worst losses historically by a top 10 team in the history of college football. Somebody tweeted me, and you were probably tagged on it too yesterday, asking how many years this sets us back in terms of national perception of Oklahoma State football. Carson, it hurts. I, I don't know how long it sets them back. I don't know if, you know, two years from now, if Oklahoma State's good, if people are still going to be thinking, well, is the bottom going to fall out of this thing? Look what happened in 2022. But, man, it, it hurts when it goes that wrong. That's – it's embarrassing. Yeah, and, you know, it it just furthers the narrative that I've been fighting against all year, that, you know, they have a two-and-a-half-year, three-year track record of being a really good football team, and that still exists. But when you go up to Manhattan and, and get embarrassed the way you did, it just it just furthers the narrative. So I, I think you're right about that. And and I think this is where I have a, just a huge issue with Mike Gundy. You're down 41 to nothing. You leave Spencer Sanders in that game and he gets hurt and has to leave the game. This is how you end up losing out on the rest, all the games left on your schedule is by doing stupid things like that. And I don't want to hear you know, Mike's quotes were, well, he wanted to compete. So we let him compete. You have to protect Spencer from himself. You have to be the adult in the room and say, this game is over. Let's regroup. You've already been hurt this year for most of the year. It affected you in Fort Worth and our other loss this year. You have to take him out of the game, Colby. That was, that was coaching malpractice, leaving him in the game when the game was far long decided and he's already hurt. And now you might have to go to Lawrence with Spencer hurt even worse than he was coming into the game against Kansas State. That is failing all of the players on your team. That is failing your coaching staff. And that's failing everyone that gives a rip about OSU football. That was a horrible decision, Colby. Absolutely horrible. It, it was worse. That was a worse decision than any other decision they made. And they got drummed 48 to nothing. Like that, that was just inexcusable on top of an inexcusable day. Uh, no, I completely agree because at that point, Carson, you're down 41 to nothing in the fourth quarter. We're not winning that game. That game's over. What you're you're only risking disaster by leaving those guys out there. None of the starters should have been out there. It, it didn't make sense uh, as we were watching it. It still doesn't make sense now. I was sitting there wondering why. I mean, why? Why is he out there? And then he goes down. I, I hope he's not hurt badly. Um, I mean, people in the comments talking about if, if Spencer's actually out, um, what, what's this team going to look like? It's not going to be good. 
it's not going to be good if he's out. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, coaching malpractice, you've got to get him out of there. Play for the rest of your season. There's a lot of season left, and I know it hurts to lose 48 to nothing. I know that guys still want to go out and compete. You, you've got to be smart. You've got a lot of season left. This was the end of a, a brutally exhausting four-game stretch, and I think you saw some of that yesterday with Oklahoma State. They just looked – uh, they just looked like they had nothing. They had absolutely nothing at the end of this Texas Tech, TCU, Texas, Kansas State stretch. But the problem is now you leave your starting quarterback out there and he gets hurt whenever he shouldn't have been on the field. Uh, man, I'm worried. I, I'm worried that if he's not right, I, I don't know what the rest of this season looks like for Oklahoma State because if he's healthy, again, I still think this is probably a 10-win team. I, I think that they can win uh, a bunch of games between here and the end of the season. But if he's not, they've got real problems and it would be a shame to see – the entire season come that badly undone just on one Saturday in Manhattan. Well, what's amazing is they're not out of the race for the Big 12. I mean, as as much as, you know, Kansas State now is in the driver's seat, they still have to play Texas at home. They have to go to Waco, to Morgantown, and then they play the Jayhawks at home. I think Kansas State's a good football team. They were, they're not as good as OSU made them look. And as much as the backup quarterbacks continue to haunt Oklahoma State, Will Howard – I don't think is capable of winning out. I mean, I think he's he's certainly capable, but I, I wouldn't predict Kansas State to win out from here. So there's a lot of football left, and that's where I'm really frustrated with the whole Spencer thing. Is you 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 already lost the game? Like now you're trying to lose the rest of your season? Like that that was just to me inexcusable. Uh, what about the defense, Colby? Like you and I have been big defenders of them. They they were actually still pretty good on third down defense, but fourth downs continue to haunt them. The first touchdown of the game that. They just continue to give up massive, massive plays on, on touchdowns, like all their touchdowns, 30, 40, 50 yard varieties, it seems like this year. And that's where I question where are they going defensively with Derek Mason? Because I, I thought they've done a lot of great things uh, so far this year. But the big plays just continue to haunt them to where now it's it's no longer a trend. That's kind of who they are, Colby. They're just their defense that can get off the field on third down but they can also give you a touchdown. And it seems to me it's pretty much all or nothing the way this defense is looking. You know, we, we used to get so frustrated with the Bill Young defense of bend but don't break. Well, this is the this is the snap and half defense, not just break. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This The interior defensive line, Carson, and somebody here even said the entire uh, defensive line. I want to give credit. Uh, Goose says both lines have issues. D is supposed to be studs. The last two weeks, they got run over. Absolutely right. I, I don't get it. They got run over. Um, and, and Carson, those guys have to be better. The, Brendan Evers, look, I get it. I, and I still don't blame it. I don't hold him. Uh, I don't hold it against him. He had to do what was best for him. What was best for him? I mean, his body was breaking down. I mean, we're seeing that with a lot of guys. He, he needed to step away uh, and make sure that his body was right to try to get paid to play football. But the interior defensive line has struggled. The defensive line as a whole, I mean, Kansas State, uh, Will Howard, he stood there comfortable all day, Carson, and, and that's not something that I anticipated. So, uh, yeah, he stood there comfortable all day, and um, they've got to be better. But guys on the back end, I mean, guys getting burned out on the edge. How about – there were some impact plays in the first quarter of that game. I mean, the fourth and 10 on the first drive for Kansas State, fourth and 10, tight end just rows you up the sideline. Boom, touchdown, clean pocket for Will Howard on fourth and 10, touchdown. Um, Stephon Johnson dropping the ball. Brennan Presley with the fumble. Stephon Johnson falls down coming out of a route, turns into a pick for Spencer. I mean, there were impact plays early in the game that had you made those, Stephon Johnson makes that catch and, and scores, which I think he does. There was no defender on the backside. All of a sudden, maybe the game looks a little different. Brennan doesn't fumble. You score there. Maybe the game looks a little different. Uh, but that still doesn't change the fact that the defense just got absolutely torched. And um, it, it just looks like, man, it, it's hard to say this because of how good they looked last week in the second half against Texas. But yesterday, I mean, no area of your defense um, looked competent even. And that, that really says something. So, uh, again, trying not to do the crazy overreaction, let's lose our minds thing, but. 48 nothing can't easily be explained away. Yeah, Kansas State had six passing plays of 25 yards or more. OSU had one. Uh, the Wildcats had five rushing plays of 10 yards or more. OSU had one. Uh, just too many explosive plays given up and not enough offensively. And I thought Adam Lunt kind of pointed to what you're talking about on Twitter. He said, I'm sure a lot of people will criticize the linebacker play. Some of it's justified. But the interior defensive line, 
has been setting them up for failure all season. They like to rotate there a lot, but I believe the coaching staff has a distorted view, a distorted view of the depth there. And so that, I thought that was an interesting point. And I think they need to really evaluate who's in there and not, not maybe not rotate as much. And, and something I thought about too, Colby, I want you to touch on that, but also we talked about the injuries on the offensive line and how many years in a row has that been an issue? What, what is doing in practice that their offensive line is seemingly ravaged with injuries every single year? It's not that way down in Norman that most of their, their offensive line stays mostly healthy most years. They have a couple every now and then, but it seems like every single year, Colby, we're talking about two, three, sometimes four or five injuries on the offensive line. What are they doing in practice to get this beat up to where it just derails the entire offense? Because that, as much as I think the offensive line play has not gotten any better under Coach Dickey, I do think injuries certainly play a role. You'd be naive not to think so. So that's something I'm really, I would like to ask. What the hell are you doing in practice to get your offensive line just destroyed every single year? This is like a five-year ongoing ordeal, Colby. Yeah, and it's one of those things you don't notice it anywhere else, right? Like, I don't notice seasons where Baylor just absolutely can't block anybody and Baylor just gets owned at the line of scrimmage on offense. You'll see that with Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech always has good, big offensive linemen. Kansas State, their offensive line yesterday was phenomenal, and and their offensive line's been great. has been moving people out of the way. TCU, good offensive line. And it just feels like that's not an area – where other teams struggle nearly as much as Oklahoma State, it just it, it seems like Oklahoma State deals with that more than anybody, and I, I can't make sense of it. I don't know if it's a practice thing, if it's just a luck thing. I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, surely it's not just dumb luck that you just continue year after year to uh, to not be able to keep guys healthy at that position. So I, I don't know what it is, but that is my my main concern, Carson, because if you have a really good offensive line, I mean, that can cover up a lot of other sins offensively you don't have to have superman at quarterback if you have a great offensive line you can run the ball you can play ball control keep your defense off the field a little bit if you have a good offensive line and and i'm worried about the post spencer era uh if you have a less mobile quarterback i'm really worried is what that looks like if the offensive line struggles continue so i I think if there's one thing that i i would point at over the next two three four years it's I mean, this offensive line, I think, in 2024, 2025 has to get back to the lines of old, or I just don't think that the high-level success, the 10, 11, 12-win seasons, even in the new-look Big 12, if you don't sure up your offensive line issues, um, I, I, I think that you're going to struggle to be the dominant powerhouse that you could be if you just fix that one position group. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of football left here, Colby. I mean, they go to man or they go to Lawrence next week at Kansas at two 30 yet again. And then Iowa state at home who gave OU somewhat of a game up in Ames. I don't think, I think Iowa state's one of the worst teams in the league. They do have a good defense though. And for an offense that really struggles around the football, that, that game's no gimme. And then you go to Norman and then you finish at home with West Virginia. I mean, I was pretty confident about Bedlam this year, just because I think they're the better football team based on what we've seen so far. Uh, I can hear, I can hear Mike Gundy's playbook just tightening right now with, with Norman looming, but before they even get there, I can, I can already, I can already sense it, Colby. I can already sense, you know, handing the ball off, off tackle on third and 15 on, on, on OU side of the field. I can already, I can already feel it coming. So any confidence I had gained this year of OSU, playing to win and playing to go beat up on OU, I'm I'm massively concerned moving forward. And you can't even look to OU right now, Cole, because they go out and play like they did yesterday in Lawrence. They'll lose to the Jayhawks, who, who likely will get their quarterback back. Kansas isn't great, but they also haven't had their starting quarterback that people just don't seem to – people are riding off Kansas because their Heisman contending quarterback hasn't been playing. So I – my confidence is really shaken in this team. And I had a lot going into this. Again, I picked Oklahoma State to win this game handily just because they had showed me a lot all season in all three phases. And so, yeah, I, I'm like everyone else. I'm a little shell-shocked that they played so poorly. But how do you think this season plays out, Colby? They got to go to Lawrence next next week. That's a game that is always hard to get up for. You and I have talked about that. How do you think they respond? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I 
I like you was, I was very confident about Bedlam. I think I've said several times this year that that game didn't totally worry me because I really thought Oklahoma state was a significantly better team. I sir, I don't feel that way today. I, I, that game worries me now. Uh, every game on the schedule coming in worries me now. We've talked about this. There aren't any rum dumps in the Big 12 Conference. There's not a There's not a Vanderbilt. There's not a Rutgers. There's not a uh, Nebraska who, again, just, I mean, looked like they didn't belong on the same field as Illinois yesterday. Uh, I, you just don't have that in the Big 12. The bad teams in the Big 12 can still beat you if you don't play well. And what I saw yesterday from Oklahoma State, that that's the type of loss that – if, if the team doesn't come together and, and look at it as some sort of something that bonds them and they overcome it, I mean, that's something that can ruin a season when it goes that poorly because, I mean, those guys have to be looking at each other in the locker room thinking, what, what did we just do here? And, I mean, when could it rear its ugly head again, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how they respond this Saturday. But, uh, no, I don't feel nearly as good about Bedlam as I did earlier this year. And, uh, all of a sudden, this closing stretch of the season, it doesn't look near as simple as it did last week. We're like, hey, go beat Kansas State, and then you'll be favored in all these games, and you just have to go take care of business. I don't think that's the case anymore. This team's going to have to play good football to win these games in November. Um, and, man, we still don't know how hurt Spencer is, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I thought the interesting comment here from – and I appreciate all, everyone joining us live and leaving your comments. And uh, I thought Matthew K. made an interesting point. He said, we don't need top 10 recruiting classes. We just need top 25 classes. Our current class is 75th in the country. For a $7.5 million head coach, that should not happen. And just last week, I was praising Gundy and his staff for for being able to out-depth Texas with not a great recruiting class. But when you – when you lose games, and you certainly lose games in this manner because of depth and, and guys being hurt and, and things like that contributing to that, I think it opens you up to that level of criticism, Colby, because, look, like none of us expect Oklahoma State to be in the top 10 in recruiting, not even maybe top 20. But you can't be 75th, especially when you're paying your coach that much money. They pay him very well to not only win football games, but to be on the road and recruiting and getting good football players. And Colby, when's the last time they got a blue chip offensive lineman? I mean, I don't, I follow recruiting. I, I notice when they get commitments and I, I, I pay enough attention to know it never happens. And <laughs> so you, you hire these assistants to not only coach the team, but to recruit, go get you an offensive line coach. So they can get some dudes like Casey Dunn's been getting dudes at receiver and they're really good at receiver uh, last game, notwithstanding. So <laughs> that's, that's where I sit with OSU football is when are they going to fix the offensive line? When are you going to hire a Casey Dunn level recruiter at the offensive line position? Because it is killing you. The games you have lost largely boil down to not being able to run the football or to not protect your quarterback. And I just, it's a credit to them. They've won as many games as they have despite that, but it's coming home to roost. And if you only win seven games this year, it's time for heads to roll. I'm sorry to say that I'm not doing that right now. You go seven and five, you got to make massive changes on offense because you had Spencer coming into this year with all the experience he's had, playing amazing throughout this year, even though he's been hurt. Uh, he had some rough spots this season. I'm not saying he's been perfect, but it was all set up for you. And here we are again talking about an offensive line that can't play dead, a running game that literally can't get three yards per carry. So it's and that, that falls on the head coach. So I, I want to see massive changes if, if, if this doesn't get right. And I don't really see it getting right, at least in terms of the offensive line and running the football. Yeah, I think we're kind of uh, speaking the same truth here about the offensive line. Something needs to change there. And, and I don't know what that is uh, with recruiting, with recruiting, with, with Coach Dickey. I don't know who you can go get. But, man, you've got to do something different on the offensive line because you just can't continue to miss there. The, the overall recruiting – it, it seems like they've had some good guys coming in lately. Uh, I know last year's class was the, the highest ranked class they've had in a while. This year's class is um, certainly getting a, an eye for incomplete. Obviously, you want to see what it looks like whenever they're done. But, man, they need to get a lot of guys in the door. Um, and, and it just feels like that momentum that you had against Texas. I mean, you had 20 recruits at that game. 15 of those guys had offers. And, and last week, I mean, I even mentioned that, and it was like this uh, – it felt good. It felt like, okay, maybe that can help you start to gain some traction in recruiting and, and gain some momentum there. And it just felt like that was undone yesterday. I mean, what, what are you doing to, uh, 
to get recruits fired up about what they saw yesterday in Manhattan. I mean, nobody wants to be a part of that. Um, offensive linemen don't want to come in and, and be a part of a tattered offensive line. Um, so, I mean, it, I feel like that position group is going to take some time to rebuild, but you recruited pretty well elsewhere. I think that they've recruited well at running back and right wide receiver. Uh, and they've got some guys at the skill position, but man, those guys at the skill position can't show what they can do if you don't have time. If there's no holes for people to run, you're juking guys in the backfield. Your quarterback doesn't have time to even let receivers get downfield. Then we can't even see how special the skill players can be. So uh, yeah, we're, we're singing the same tune. Something's got to change at offensive line specifically. Yep, I agree. And I, I like this comment from Goose, and it, it's something I've been frustrated with for years with Casey Dunn. He says, curious when the last non-trick play was where the receiver was as wide open as what we saw play after play yesterday for Kansas State. What he's saying is where nothing ever seems e- – like when it, when it starts snowballing in a bad way on OSU's offense, everything looks so hard. They don't call any plays that get a guy just wide open. They don't – they haven't had that. I feel like since since Casey Dunn's been there, and let's face it, Colby, he has had to run a lot of trick plays this year to get guys open, and we like that. We like we, that's aggressive, and you like to mix it up and run trick plays. That's that's good stuff. We we would be asking for that if they didn't do that. But I think it also kind of t- paints a picture for us, Colby, that their offense isn't any good because nothing's easy. Nobody's ever open because they're not calling good enough plays. They're not scheming good enough plays. Whereas Kansas State. And uh, for and, uh, large points in the fourth quarter against TCU, getting guys just wide open. And and uh, we, we talked so much about how talented OSU's receivers are. So you can't sit there and tell me that the receivers just are incapable of getting open. And that ultimately, Colby, falls on Casey Dunn. And look, being the offensive coordinator is a thankless job. They've scored – they're one of the highest scoring offenses in the country this year. But when you, when you lay a flat-out goose egg like that and you've – had the track record that Casey had last year for the most part and the year before. What's it going to happen? When, when's it going to come together? When are you not going to get embarrassed and shut out? And so it kind of reminded me of that Cotton Bowl when the last time Mike Gundy was the play caller. The Cotton Bowl against Ole Miss where OSU was shut out. That's the last time they were shut or maybe they were shut out in Bedlam since then. Yeah, 09 Bedlam, they were shut out as well. Um, but or they weren't shut out in that game. It was a very late score, but for all intents and purposes, it was a shutout. So, I, I again, I think a lot of this falls on Casey Dunn. I, I feel for him that the offensive line's not great, but where are these plays where the receivers are running wide open like they were for Kansas State? Because I haven't seen them since he's been the offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's one of those things where – Kansas State was able to run the ball so well that Oklahoma State had one-on-one matchups and stuff on the back end, and they were able to get guys wide open. Oklahoma State, nobody respects the run. And if nobody respects the run, it just it constricts what you can do as far as getting guys into space because there's not as much space there because there's not as many guys in the box. So they've got, instead of having to have six guys down there, they've only got four guys down there. I mean, that's just two extra defenders you've got roaming on the back end that make it easier to get guys into space. There is no space there for Oklahoma State because other teams don't respect the run game. And, you know, Dominic Richardson goes out yesterday and we're thinking, all right, maybe this looks like a a little more of a speed backfield uh, with Nixon and Gordon. And, man, we barely saw Gordon. I know he was battling an injury. Maybe it was still uh, bothering him. DeAndre Jackson came in. And, I mean, I I don't even know how to evaluate him. I don't think it's fair to evaluate him. Limited work uh, in in the worst performance in two decades. Um, Yeah, if you can't run the ball, they're not going to respect it. They're not going to give you any space on the back end. So uh, I think it all goes together, but uh, it needs to get fixed. And Casey Dunn's a big part of that. He he has, Carson, like you mentioned, just put up some duds over the years. I mean, there have been some real duds where it's like a couple guys are out and the personnel isn't right. And instead of getting creative and trying to do some, some different stuff to confuse the defense, it's just like, all right, let's just not screw anything up. Let's keep it basic here. And, and hopefully this is a, a low enough scoring game and a close enough game where we can make a couple plays in the fourth quarter. It's it's never creativity. It's never, you know, getting guys out into space. Um, so, yeah, the, the duds really hurt Casey Dunn, who, uh, I mean, really since the end of last year, I, I got to a point where I'd been really complimentary of him. I thought the, the Bedlam play calling was great. I thought against Notre Dame, the offense was great. Uh, and even to start this season, the first month or so, I, I thought that the offense was pretty good. But, man, it's like one thing goes wrong with an injury or something, and all of a sudden you got big problems. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how it gets fixed offensively, but it, there just has to be more creativity. 
Yep, I agree. Uh, leave your comments, and we'll we'll continue to work through this. And I, I did want to bring up Colby the big news today. And again, if you have any more questions about the game uh, or OSU moving forward, please drop them in there. We'll we'll get to them. But big news for the Big Twelve. Uh, Brett Yormark and ESPN and Fox have come to a big deal to where the Big Twelve is going to survive. It appears Colby. I mean, they get a huge increase in in revenue. They're going to get about thirty eight to between the like. Brett McMurphy tweeted out they get like 38 million per school, but then that when you include the NCAA and all the other stuff, it's about 50 million per school. And look, it's it's we all know it's not as big of a TV deal as the SEC or the Big Ten. That was never going to happen with their viewership numbers. As bad as the Big Ten is at playing football, people watch that crap. They watch those horrible football games. Just look at the ratings. It's terrible football, but there's a lot of those people that went to school there and they watch their games every single week. But what they were able to do, increasing the revenue as much as they did, Colby, despite losing OU and Texas from that deal, it speaks volumes. And I think it shows you, Colby, that the TV people understand that the Big 12 is a good football conference. It's a valuable football conference. It's, it's good football. People watch. When the ratings are equal in terms of what network they're on compared to the Pac-12, it's not close. People don't care about football out there. And I think ESPN and Fox recognize that to give them the money that they deserve. And I think everyone around here, Colby, can breathe a sigh of relief because the Big 12 is going to survive. Uh, the Big 12 is going to survive, and, and the Big 12 could even be in a position to thrive. And, and this is good moving forward. I know it's a, a lot of doom and gloom today talking about uh, Oklahoma State and what happened yesterday in Manhattan. But there is a future in the Big 12 conference that Oklahoma State is going to be a big part of. Uh, I know things don't feel good today, but this has still been a good program. And you would you would hope and trust that Gundy and staff who, who've been – I mean, Gundy particularly, staffs have changed. Uh, but one way or another – over the last 17 years, he's found ways to have success. You would hope that would be the same in the new Big 12. And the fact that the revenue is going to be uh, good, it's not SEC or Big 10 good, but it doesn't have to be. It's not everything has to be SEC, Big 10. Uh, I, I mean, if people only want to make it about the conference revenue, then those are the only two conferences people are ever going to talk about. And I get it. Like you said, a lot of people went to school there. A lot of people watch those games, uh, even if it's uh, a lot of times bad football in the Big 10. Uh, but yeah, I think that that was very good news for the Big 12. And um, we'll, we'll see what it looks like for Oklahoma State. But I, I feel comfortable with their future in this conference. Yeah, I do too. It's uh, I'm not surprised. I kept telling people that the, the Big 12 is right there behind the Big 10 and, and the uh, SEC in terms of ability to generate revenue. And it's it's not close between the Pac-12. So you also skip in front of the line of the Pac-12 who hasn't sorted out their TV deal too. So Nothing but good things to say about uh, Brett Yormark. I think he was an exceptional hire. He did exactly what he said he was going to go out and do, and that's generate a bigger TV contract. He's done that despite the TV contract not even being up yet. He's going to hold Texas and OU's feet to the fire. I hope, Colby, I hope they send OU and Texas to all the new locations next year. Uh, I want them. I want him to send Texas and OU on this schedule. You go and play – West Virginia, then the very following, you play them on like a, you play West Virginia on the road on a Saturday, and then on Thursday night, you go to Provo. Short <laughs> week, going all the way across back the other side of the country. You do that to <laughs> OU and Texas both. You make life a living hell, schedule-wise. You can do that. They're held into this conference until 2025. You can, but I don't think they will. I, I don't think... I think they're going to be the, you know, up, we're above this. Let's just be cat, be civil and, and cordial. Um, I'm with you. I would like to see that happen, but I don't think that they'll end up doing it because I think, you know, they think oh, it would come as petty you, or something. If you're Brett Yormark in the Big 12, do you want OU and Texas playing in the conference championship game the year they leave no. and take the trophy no. with them? No, absolutely not. Can't allow that to so, happen. I think you do do that to ensure that they do not lift that trophy. <laughs> I think right. it's in their best interest to do that. I really do. Uh, I mean, you make a good point about not uh, – you, you can't have them winning the, the trophy on the way out. That would look so bad uh, if they you left. You literally could take it with them. You wouldn't have a trophy. They could literally take it to the SEC and say it's yep. ours. And it would never be seen <laughs> again. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I I like that idea. I, I don't know. Somebody tweeted earlier, I think, and asked if this was like an out for OU in Texas uh, because the new TV deal is coming down. It will be good money for the other schools. 
no, I, I really don't think the Big 12 is giving OU in Texas an out. I think you pay the buyout or you're here through 2025. And all the reporting has been that they are here through 2025. So until I hear otherwise, Carson, rumors about when they might leave aren't really doing anything for me because every time reporting is actually done about it, uh, the report is that they're going to be here through well, 2025. So it doesn't, it doesn't kick in until 2025, this new deal. So they're still going to be on the deal they were on with OU in Texas. They yep. that won't kick in until they actually leave. So th- there is no out for OU in Texas. And I do I do find that humorous, Colby. Every time something positive happens for the Big Twelve, these these OU fans and Texas fans, oh see see we can leave, we can go. No 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 you can't unless you got eighty million laying around. I know OU doesn't. Texas might, but uh, that was another downside. Someone in our comments mentioned earlier that the loss. One of the worst things about the loss was all the OU fans chirping after uh, OSU lost to Kansas State. I had, a, I had a lot in my mentions from people that I hadn't heard from uh, really all season, just lying in the weeds. This one guy uh, who remained nameless was tweeting. I go, oh, there you are. Where, where have you been as OU has their worst season since John Blake? You didn't have a lot to say when you lost three games in a row and got flat out embarrassed. But now you're in my mentions. And then I said, Hashtag not a rivalry. Why do you care? Like, why do you care if it's not a rivalry? Clearly, clearly that's always been talk and we, we knew yeah, they that. Cared. Yeah, they care. Everybody knows they care. Uh, they sure cared yesterday when Oklahoma State lost. It's one of those things. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, you know, whenever OU gets drilled, I always send out some funny little joke making fun of them. Uh, I don't really remind. I don't really mind if they return the favor. It's just it's one of those things. Friendly in-state rivalry trash talk. Um, dish it out. Have fun with it whenever they're getting beat. But if you go to Manhattan and lose 48 nothing, you you should expect something in your mentions. I had a few yesterday, but it doesn't really bother me. That's just kind of fans being fans. As long as it's all in good fun and nobody like gets personal with it or anything. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It doesn't bother me. It's just I find it humorous, like of all years for OU fans to get mally. This ain't it. But right. uh Aspen Polk had a had a good point in the comments. He says we have not had the recruiting budget, assistant coaches budget, et cetera, needed. Never should have let Jim Knowles go. He recruited well. Gundy gets seven and a half million, but won't won't pay one and a half to two million for a big time defensive coordinator. And I certainly understand. Like Mike deserves to be paid as one of the best head coaches in the country. Just the track record speaks for itself. I've always had a problem with how they kind of allocate the money, like I will always go back to when they hired Mike Yursich. He was the first kind of like out of the box left field hire. I guess Todd Munkin was a little out of the box, but he at least had a track record personally with Mike Gundy coaching with him at Oklahoma state. But when they hired Yursich from out of nowhere, they immediately paid him half a million dollars to 600 grand. Like before he had even remotely proved himself at this level. And so clearly they have money to pay. They've paid their assistant coaches really well. That's how they got Larry Fedora when Mike was first becoming the head coach. Like, so they, they have paid their coaches well. They've paid Mike well. Are they, not, are, they, are they neglecting the recruiting budget? Or is it just the fact that Mike doesn't like recruiting and doesn't want to go on the road? Because I think, I, I do think, Colby, that is as much as we harp on recruiting and you can debate, you know, Mike and how he does it as much as you want, like, that has to play a factor at some point, does it not? Oh, no, it absolutely does. There's got to be money, right? Money runs college football. We've talked about, uh, you know, just how unfortunate it is for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is always unfortunate, but, uh, you know, NIL comes around after Boone Pickens has has moved on. Um, It's just... Oklahoma State needs money. You, you've got to spend it on your staff. You just have to. You, you've got to have highly paid assistants. If you want to win at the level that, that we think Oklahoma State wants to win at and, and that the administration has talked about winning at, um, you've, you've got to pay to play. And it doesn't have to be what Miami's doing or what Texas A&M is doing. We're not even talking about NIL stuff here. We're talking about the recruiting budget and the assistant coaching budget because, I mean, those two things alone um, – and again, recruiting budget, I guess NIL kind of factors into that at this point, how much money you have to throw around there. And we'll see what that looks like for Oklahoma State as some schools just start to drop ridiculous amounts of cash. Uh, you know, the four-star that, that was committed to Oklahoma State and probably is going to go to Texas now because I'm sure they're going to give him a big, fat NIL deal. E- even NIL notwithstanding, you've got to have a better recruiting budget. You've got to have a better budget for assistant coaches. Um, you just you, you can't go cheat there. You just can't. So uh, we'll see what it looks like moving forward. I, I really don't know. It's 
it's it's hard to be this negative because everything has been so good. In the last 24 games, Oklahoma State's won 20 of its last 24 games. There are a lot of programs that would love to have the issues that Oklahoma State has. Um, But, yeah, I think it's reasonable to be a little wary about the future after what we saw yesterday because, um, again, more than anything, it it was less anger and more confusion, uh, which which leads to confusion about the future and what that looks like. So, um, yeah, got to spend some money and recruit well and pay your assistance. Well, that's what's so alarming, Colby. You mentioned the, you know, the four losses they've had over that span of time. The three prior, TCU double overtime, the inches loss to uh, TC or to uh, Baylor in the Big 12 title game. The non, that, that weird play at Ames where Brennan Presley got the first down and they marked him short. Those are like very close, thin margin losses. This is way different i mean blowout city like kansas rarely got beat this bad when they were the worst team in college football um that's what's so alarming about this Colby. it's not just that you lost in manhattan in a big spot a game to really kind of seal your future in the big 12 championship game it's you weren't even like close to competitive and that's where i think you know if you had gone up there and lost a close ball game it's you're not examining the entire program as a whole. You're examining why did that game play out the way that it did ultimately. And that's why I'm just so taken aback. It's like you can't go up there with your starting quarterback playing and lose 48 to nothing. So that's – and I'm really curious to see how they respond. Like if they go up there and, and handle business and beat Kansas, like it's going to say a lot. This is where Mike's cliche about cowboy culture and our culture's great and all that. It's easy to say that after winning. It's easy to say that when you've won as many games as they have over the last two and a half years. What's not easy is to prove it going to a tough spot, place no one is excited to play at in Lawrence. It's a high school stadium. This is where this talking point and cliche is really going to be proven. Do you have this culture that you talk about a lot? Because it's going to be under the microscope next week in Lawrence. Should be. I mean, it should be, right? You've got to go win that game. And, and that's whether Spencer plays or not. I'm sorry. I know Kansas is better. They're no juggernaut. Uh, they're still one of the bottom teams in the conference and, and we'll probably finish that way in the standings. You've got to go win that game, whether Spencer plays or not. And it, it's going to take some doing, I think, for Gundy and his staff to get these guys right mentally to go play another game next week. I mean, that has to be jarring for some of these young guys. I mean, for some of these young guys to be rolling along on a team that's contending for a conference championship and you go in yesterday and you control all your destiny and, and, and all these things, and then that happens, I mean, that's got to be shocking to some of these true freshmen and some of these younger guys. Uh, and the staff, I think, has a big task to get them ready mentally to go play another football game Saturday and perform at a high level because you're still going to have to perform at a high level to beat Kansas on the road, whether Spencer plays or not. Uh, and it's just... It's not a game you can lose. You cannot let the entire season come undone because you you had one bad afternoon in Manhattan when whatever guys were hurt, guys were tired, weren't locked in, weren't fo- focused, whatever the case was, didn't practice well, didn't practice because of injuries. You just you can't let it snowball. Um, and man, I just I didn't think that this game in Lawrence was going to have the the program level weight that I think it is carrying next Saturday, because if they lose that game, I think that the wheels could come off. uh, And that would be so, so disappointing after all the progress they've made and all the steps forward they've taken. Funny comment here from JD battle. Gundy should take his seven and a half million and cut a $500,000 NIL check every year to his offensive line. Heads yourself. Brilliant. Not bad. I mean, I don't think it's legal for the coach to do that, but I I like where your head's at. Start an LLC, give some money to a buddy, start an LLC, run it through there, maybe an S-Corp. I don't know how it all works. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a tax specialist, but there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to uh, to take Mike Gundy's money and give it to the offensive line. Uh, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit. I always seem to forget them when we do the live shows. Uh, be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Spirit's pretty low right now. Uh, morale's pretty low, but if you're in Stillwater, stop by Chris's. They'll hook you up with the latest and best Oklahoma State gear. Uh, let's do the Chris's University Spirit uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Colby, I love the uniforms. They might never wear them again because it'll remind them they lost 48 to nothing, but I did predict the orange Curse of Cowboys. It's the first loss they've ever suffered with the Curse of Cowboys helmet. That's another disappointing outcome of this game that uh, the, the perfect record with Curse of Cowboys is now kaput. But uh, what do you think of Orange, white, black, that combo. 
Yeah, I thought it was okay. Again, we've talked about this. The tricolor for me is a lot. The tricolor gets a little cluttered, uh, and there's just a lot going on. I, I like. I would have preferred the orange pants if they were going to go orange helmet, or if they wanted to go black pants, I would have preferred the the black helmet. I just prefer the symmetry there a little more than the tricolor. So, uh, I mean, even OSU's looks that I don't totally love, they still look good, but. It also just doesn't quite feel right to me when, when you lose in 48 nothing in them. So I do not expect to see an orange-white-black combo with the Curse of Cowboys helmet anytime soon. Yeah, and uh, Wet Blanket, I think is what the guy's username is, says, yeah. I hate the orange helmet, to be honest. And it's something I struggle with, too. They can never get the orange the same, have that same pop that the orange pants do. They just, they can't, I don't know if it's just, you know, the, the material of the helmet with the paint, it just, it, it's never quite the right orange. It's more Cleveland Browns orange than it is that poppy OSU orange that we, that we know and love. So that's, that's my deal with it. It's not as exciting to talk about uniforms when they, lo- when they lose 48 to nothing. So let's go to bullets and BBs, Colby. Uh, a lot of angles to tackle this one on, specifically the BB angle, but do you have a bullet for me? Uh, no, no, I do not have a bullet. Uh, I will not be issuing one. The one is not deserved. Um, I mean, I would, have to, I, would, I would have to go outside Oklahoma State football, I think. I, I can't think of anything. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Kleiman. I thought, once again, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's his first win over Mike Gundy. He's proven to be a heck of a coach because, I mean, again, they didn't have their starting quarterback. And what did he do? He lit up Oklahoma State with the, the Will Howard, the backup quarterback. He had his team totally prepared, totally ready to play. The opposite of what Mike Gundy and his staff had his team ready to do. They, it looked like a lamb being fed to a lion is what it looked like on Saturday. Uh, maybe a wildcat, maybe a big wildcat. <laughs> and I just think Chris Kleiman's proven to be a heck of a coach. And if he gets Kansas State to the Big 12 championship game this year, which it certainly looks like they have the inside track, then uh, he certainly deserves recognition as one of the best coaches in the country for what he's been able to do at Kansas State, taking over for a Bill Snyder, which you aptly pointed out. Very rarely do people replace legends and have any success at all, at all. And he certainly is doing a good job. And I kind of critiqued his resume coming in. He'd, he'd lost at least five games every year. Maybe this is the the breakthrough year for him. So I think he deserves a bullet. That's a good one. That's a good one. He, uh, You know what Kansas State's done, Carson? They've built from the lines out. I mean, their offensive line is solid. They are good up front offensively. Their defensive line is really good. The uh, Felix kid, 91, I, I don't want to go through the whole name, but everybody knows who he is. Dude is a beast. I mean, he Oklahoma State was really struggling with him. And when you can win up front on both sides of the ball, you're going to have some, some success. Uh, the Tulane loss earlier in the season still doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, bad luck, I think, losing both of your quarterbacks against TCU. I, if, if they were to rematch uh, in Jerry's world, I think I would probably pick Kansas State in the rematch. Um, yeah, Kleiman is a good one. Carson, BB's abound. BB's abound all over the place. Uh, I'm going to start with the receivers. We have praised the receivers, and and I, I think that Oklahoma State has a ton of talent in that room. I think they're good at that position, and I think they're going to be for years to come. I, they were brutal yesterday early in that game, Carson. Whenever you had a chance to stay in it early and not let it get out of control, you couldn't do it. Stephon Johnson, third and eight. I mean, Spencer Dart across the middle in between three guys, tight window, hits him right in the hands, can't come up with it. Uh, I, again, I think he scores if he catches it. Brennan Presley putting the ball on the ground, and, and it's one of those, he's out, he's juking. You can tell that the ball's coming away from his body a little bit. Uh, watching it at my parents' house, my dad's like, put the ball away, put the ball away. Boom, as soon as he finishes that thought, it gets punched out. Um, and that's a veteran guy that you depend on in a big moment, turning the ball over and digging a deeper hole for you. Um, you know, the the slip from Stephon Johnson was just a tough deal. Sometimes guys slip coming out of the route. Spencer threw it, uh, you know, a millisecond before he slipped and fell down. And all of a sudden your receiver's not there. And, uh, and it's an interception that goes on the quarterback. But uh, yeah, the receiving core, I, I thought could have, helped Oklahoma State early in that game, stay in it, not let it snowball, uh, and they made some critical errors. So, uh, yeah, BB, BB for me goes to the receivers early in the game. Yeah, Blade J points out the Brennan Presley fumble was massive. I mean, you're trying to stem the tide a little bit, and I think that's where this is equal blame. You know, we've, we've been pretty hard on the coaching staff, and rightfully so, but the players have to make plays. You can't fumble that. You just can't do it at all. Like, that is just – such an error, such a critical, timely error. Uh, 
Because it wasn't helmet on ball. Like, he didn't get obliterated. It was just bad ball security from a veteran guy. Right. No, I I totally agree with that. Uh, For me, it's – I think ultimately when you get beat to this extent, to this level – the, the person that has to answer for that, you, you can spread blame to the offense coordinator, defense coordinator, the, the, the quarterback, you name it. It's going to fall on the head coach. And the administration and, and Mike have really been trying to trumpet that we have a logo too. We're, we're a up-and-coming program. We're, we're trying to become a blue blood program. Well, you know what blue, blue blood programs don't do? They don't get annihilated 48 to nothing as the ninth ranked team in the country. And again, if you want to compare them to OU, uh, 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 no Spencer Sanders played in this game. If you'd got, if you'd done this with Gunnar Gundy, you have an excuse. There is no excuse for what we witnessed on Saturday. It sets back all of the goodwill you've, you've earned with the administration and trying to trumpet Oklahoma state as this, you know, up and coming big time football program, big time football programs don't lay an egg of this extent. And if I'm Chad Weiber and Casey Shrum, I want, I want an answer on Monday morning in, in Mike's office. I'm going in there and going, what, what happened? Because this excuse about I changed the practice methods, that doesn't cut it. I, I, need, I need a way better answer than that. And so I think, I think ultimately Mike needs, needs a BB for, again, you, you, losing's it's going to happen. I mean, it's the Big 12. You've mentioned it. There's no rum-dums this year. We certainly understand that. What we don't understand is not even putting up a fight that like 0-10 Kansas. Like 0-10 Kansas would have been embarrassed by what we saw on Saturday. And that, to me, is completely unacceptable. It's certainly unacceptable of a coach making $7.5 million. So it's great when you're winning and you're getting paid that and you get to, you know, get all your flowers. But – Yep, the, the chickens come home to roost sometimes. And, and I think I think Mike, I'm really curious to hear him, Colby, at his weekly press conference. That's turned into a chuckle fest when you're winning a lot. Not tomorrow. There used to be some serious questions asked at that press conference. Why were you so unprepared? I, I need a, I need a lot more explanation than we got after the game. Uh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. He there's not gonna be a lot of joking around tomorrow. But I mean, I think we pretty much covered it there, didn't we? I mean, I talk about the players, you gotta go out and execute. And you talk about the coaches, you got to have your team prepared. Neither one of those things happened yesterday. It looked like a team that was unprepared. It looked like a team that was unmotivated. Uh, and, and what really was disappointing to me, Carson, I thought they folded. And, and I thought that they were above that. I, I really I didn't think they would pitch the towel. And, and they did. They, they, threw, they threw the towel in. They folded. Um, and that was disappointing to see. I, I mean, that's one thing about this team. We've talked about the resiliency, the fight. They just never give up. They just never quit. Um, and that's why yesterday was so shocking. They, they, they threw in the towel. They folded. Um, and that's disappointing because this team has showed a lot of heart, and I just didn't see it yesterday. Coming out of halftime, uh, I mean, you, you go in and hopefully you get some riling speech at halftime and come out with some, some momentum, looking to make a play, fired up. You can't even field the kickoff. You're starting at your own six-yard line after the opening kickoff of the second half. It was just – it was one – just calamity after another. It was embarrassing. It just, it was, was the a second half worse than the first half. Like in, in a strange um, way, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't as bad defensively because Kansas state, you know, game was over, but it was almost worse in the second half offensively. I, I didn't think it could get worse, but it somehow did. It, it's one of those things. If you asked me, was the first half or the second half worse? I would just say, yes, yes. The, <laughs> the first half or the second half was worse. It's, I just, man, I, I still can't get over the fact that I'm watching that game and, and at about the, uh, I don't know, mid to late second quarter, it just, it looked like they quit. Um, it was disappointing. I, I think that there were some hard lessons learned yesterday and one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to fold the rest of the way in or they're going to bounce back. And I don't know which it is. It's it's up to them. We're not in the locker room. We, we can't guess on that, but um, it's up to them. And, and I hope that they bounce back because I think since about – a year and a half to, to even two years ago uh, in terms of football, I think that we've all gotten really invested in this team and in this program. And I think that they showed us something that there could be a trajectory here that could put Oklahoma state in a little bit different level of college football where we can sit around and we can make fun of Iowa 
and we can make fun of Penn State. Uh, Penn State didn't let Ohio State beat them 48 to nothing yesterday. I mean, sitting here today, Carson, I, I, I don't need to talk about the Big Ten today. We don't have a right to make fun of anybody after what just happened in Manhattan. So um, how they bounce back in November is going to be huge for me as to where, where it goes from here. Yeah, and I, I'm totally with you on that. And I think Matthew K and Jack's Blue 24 are kind of where my head's at. We can answer a few more of these, but this is kind of what my last point I wanted to make. You know, Matthew K says, you know, playoffs not even a conversation anymore. What scares me is Gundy has one Big 12 title to show for his success. For example, in the same time frame, Baylor has three. And Jack's Blue 24, forget the playoffs. At this point in the program, I'm just wanting a Big 12 championship. And to me, Colby, there is, there is a sense of relief in this, in that we don't have to worry about national perception. We don't have to worry about that stupid playoff show where they just, they talk out of their, you know, what's none of that matters. You just have to win out and hope to get in the big 12 championship game. Cause it's time Oklahoma state. That's the most frustrating thing is Mike Gundy should have more than one big 12 championship for all the success he's had. Uh, we all know what happened last year and, and, and all that, all that stuff. But I do think Colby, it's a chance to kind of, Forget all the national, like worrying about the playoff, worrying about where OSU stands nationally, and just a sole focus of let's win out and let the chips fall where they may. I do think there's an opportunity for Mike and his staff to say, to kind of paint that picture because these guys hear it when they're walking on campus. And when someone says, "Do you see your rank behind you know Tennessee? You guys are better in Tennessee." And you know that's out the window. You need to worry about Kansas now. I think it it kind of in a way, Colby, can kind of refocus them heading into the stretch run in a way. But it's time they win a Big 12 championship. And that's that's where most of my frustration lies with. Uh, I don't want to look back on Gundy's entire career and look back and say he won one Big 12 championship because that, that wouldn't illustrate the amount of success that he's had. No, you're absolutely right. And it's one of those things, as Oklahoma State fans, it just feels like uh, somebody compared it to the, the story of the, the guy pushing the boulder up the hill. And it's like, right as you almost get to the top, it falls and it goes back down every time. It's what it feels like being an Oklahoma State fan. It's like every time this program gets momentum and we think that it's going to, you know, snowball and parlay into more success and, and a next a next tier in college football, something, something undoes it. It's like every time Oklahoma State gets close, it comes apart. And, yeah, you've got to have some conference championships to show for it because – we do. We, we like to sit around and talk about the playoff in the middle of October. Uh, and then you, you never even win the conference title. You got to go win a conference title. So um, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. And to be honest with you, Carson, it, it needs to happen in the next few years while OU and Texas are still in the conference because you, you just, if you don't do it since 2011 until those two schools leave, that's going to be part of the narrative. Everybody's going to say, okay, well, here comes Oklahoma State now. The Big 12 must be weaker because they could never get it done before. No, you've got to get it done sooner rather than later. Um, it, it, it'll give you more future respect for any future success if you do it now while those schools are still around. So, um, yeah, th- this, this program has built a ton of momentum, um, but that can go away quick. And 48 to nothing can really accelerate how fast it can go away. So the next month is critical. Um, this, this team could still go 10 and 2. That's not out of their own possibility. They're going to have to play good football down the stretch, but these teams aren't juggernauts. Um, just go play good football and fingers crossed Spencer's healthy. Um, Gunner, Gunner Carson, the handshaking, he, he was a little nervous yesterday. I, I don't know how great I feel uh, about Gunner running out there, starting having to win you a game. So fingers crossed Spencer's going to be okay. Yep. I hope so, or else they could lose out. Uh, that's a very real possibility. And I would suggest, look, you can lose to Oklahoma and Norman. That we're kind of used to it, frankly. If if Mike trots out there that white flag offense that he seems to trot out there when he sees that OU OU logo on the other sideline, it's going to get ugly. And OSU fans can handle losing, tucking your tail and taking a beating. People are going to lose it this year because. OU is not some great team this year. You don't have that excuse of, well, look at them. They're winning the Big 12. They're going to the playoff. You need to go down to Norman and beat OU. First things first, you got to beat Kansas. I'm, I'm worried about being Kansas at this point. But what he shows me in that game will say a lot. And I think it'll – I he better not just tuck his tail, Colby, because people are tired of seeing that. And I, I, I think he'll have a real a – real, rude awakening from the, the OSU fan base if he goes down there and tucks tail. So I, I'm very concerned. And look, 
OSU fans can handle losing Bedlam. What they can't handle is when you don't even attempt, when you white flag it like he has so many times over the years. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how he responds and the team responds. There's a lot, a lot of football to be played until that point, but my eyes are already drifting down to Norman Cole because that's a team that's getting better, OU is. They're not getting – they're playing a much easier teams, I grant you. They're not, they're not playing TCU anymore or Kansas State, who they both lost to. Uh, but they're seemingly – they have their quarterback back. They're not the team that lost 49 to nothing to Texas. So that, that game's going to be tough. And I, to me, the approach matters a great deal – going into that game more so than the result. If you like the 2018 game is a perfect example. You let it all hang out. You lose. Fine. You, you went for it. You went for two for the win. That was big time. Like that's all people want Colby, but I'm already, I'm already getting a little nervous about uh, the, the tuck tail formations and, and play calls heading into that game. Uh, yeah. Which is reasonable because <sighs> I'm nervous about it, Carson. I, I just, I was so confident and uh, borderline cocky, maybe not even borderline cocky, maybe just cocky uh, about Oklahoma State going down to Norman and winning and feeling really confident about a Bedlam game uh, for the first time in a long time. And I don't feel that way today. It, it's And you talk about Mike Gundy. 24 hours ago, Carson, his approval rating amongst the Oklahoma State fan base was as high as it has been in recent memory. 24 hours ago. It can all come undone so fast. If, if the fan base starts to sense complacency at all or, or any kind of lack of preparation um, or, or sense any kind of just not willing to do everything it takes every single week to, to be one of the best teams in the country, you, you can lose them as fast as you've gotten everybody on your side. So, um, yeah, the, the approval rating was, was mega high going into yesterday's game, and it took a massive hit. Uh, the press conference tomorrow will be interesting. Does he get up there and, and does he go, uh, you know, into a Mike Gundy shell like we saw in 2014 and not want to talk to anybody and get snippy with the reporters? Um, does, does Things he, are bad. He does. He does. He, he gets a little, a little sensitive and a little uh, chippy in the press conferences when things are good. He, he jokes around and, you know, the dog will come in and, and play tennis, play with his tennis ball and stuff. And uh, oh, I, don't think gonna, I don't think there's going to be too much of that going on tomorrow so i'm, I'm very and, curious to see and what you're saying is true like it's a fickle game being mike gundy right you're, you're right 24 hours ago we were singing his praises everyone was his approval rating was through the roof and it, it's a fickle game and he knows that and he also knows you can't get beat 48 to nothing when you're ranked ninth in the country you, you just it, it's inexcusable he knows that the players know that but again i am a little optimistic and i just say a little i'm not a lot but i'm a little optimistic that now they can really have tunnel vision as a program moving forward. We have to win out to give ourselves a chance to play for a Big 12 championship. Nothing else matters. These standings, rankings, none of that matters. Win, and you might be in. It's out of your hands now. You need some help. But I do think that's – if I do have any optimism, Colby, that's where I'm where I'm lying. And we appreciate everyone joining, uh, adding comments. And, uh, Colby, anything else before uh, we get out of here? We appreciate everybody joining us Uh these aren't as fun when they lose. We don't get as many comments and viewers, but loyal folks like you in the comments and those of you listening on audio platforms, we certainly appreciate you. And we'll see how the season plays out, Colby. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, these are tough. After the uh, after the losses are tough. After a 48 nothing loss, I just, yeah, that, that was, the game was not going to ever be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, AP poll, TCU's at 7. Uh, Kansas State is at 14. Oklahoma State is at 18. I'm actually a little surprised Oklahoma State didn't fall further. I, I thought maybe in the 22 to 25 range just because it was so disastrous. But, uh, yeah, sitting there at 18, um, get back after it. You got to go win this week. You can't let it snowball. Carson, it, it was a tough one, but. Um, we'll preview Kansas later in the week. Hopefully Spencer will be out there and hopefully this team bounces back. Sounds good to me. Appreciate everybody joining us. We'll, uh, get back with you to preview a, what is now all of a sudden a massive, massive game, uh, in terms of the trajectory of OSU football. So again, appreciate everyone joining us as Colby would say, go folks.